0: On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks surrendered five unanswered goals to the San Jose Sharks to lose their fourth consecutive game. I'll get into what went wrong for the Hawks in their 5-2 loss, Ian Mitchell's return to the lineup and our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. You're Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks Podcast. Today is Monday, January second. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman two, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey. For all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please make sure to go and show some support. First, by following the podcast, you can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. Which, by the way, for those of you who may not be aware, I'm giving away two free Blackhawks tickets to a game in the second half of the season. And in order to qualify, All you have to do is go and leave me a review either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Make sure to leave your YouTube channel name in that review because I'm also going to be checking to make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. The only way you can win those two free tickets is if you leave me a review and you're subscribed to the channel on YouTube. So if I go and check and you're not subscribed, I'm unfortunately going to pick a different winner. So make sure to do both of those things. Uh, Make sure to also go and smash the like button down below on today's video. It really does help me out. And also go and ring the bell, turn on those push notifications, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here each and every day. To open things up this morning here on the first episode of 2023. Again, uh, for those of you who didn't tune into the episode yesterday, hope everyone out there had a very happy, safe, and fun New Year's Eve with friends and family. And while we have officially entered the new year, looks like we're still stuck with the same old Chicago Blackhawks as last night. Despite getting out to a 2-0 lead in the second period, they wound up giving up five unanswered goals for their fourth consecutive loss, falling 5-2 to two to the San Jose Sharks, another loss to one of the fellow bottom feeders in the NHL right now. And, you know, while that loss, excuse me, undoubtedly does this Blackhawks team some good, you know, it pushes them further into dead last. Uh, they're now four points clear of both Anaheim and Columbus for that spot. Uh, in my mind, it's, it's still disappointing to see the Blackhawks Losing the way they are, more importantly. It's not the fact that they're losing. That's fine. And again, I know that's good for the long-term plans. But it's still frustrating to see them losing the way they are to other bad teams right now. And on New Year's Eve, I mean, I went on one of the biggest rants I've gone on in some time after, you know, seeing a Blue Jackets team that, other than Johnny Hockey, was without, you know, four or five of their best players. Uh, They absolutely throttled the Blackhawks on New Year's Eve. And then last night, aside from kind of a 10 to 15 minute stretch in the second period, Blackhawks got handled pretty easily by the San Jose Sharks as well. And it just has me thinking, you know, again, this is probably a good thing for the Conor Bedard futures, Um, but it just has me thinking, you know, if the Blackhawks are are losing this badly to those teams, like it's just going to be. Uh, hard, it's hard imagining them finding ways to win against anyone the rest of the way, if you know what I mean, which, again, is good. Um, but for someone who does have to watch all 82 games and at least wants to see some progress, uh, it has been kind of frustrating the past couple of games. And there just really hasn't been much noticeable progress as of late from this Blackhawks team. The first period, by the way, last night was not good at all. The Blackhawks picked up where they left off in Columbus. Uh, It was all Sharks in the early going. They were up 10 to one in shots on goal in the first like six or seven minutes. Uh, They were really fortunate to come out of this first period not already trailing. Uh, Peter Mrazek really did essentially all of his best work in that opening 20 minutes to keep the Sharks off of the board. And then in the second period, things kind of flipped. The Blackhawks started to show some life and Actually, came out with some pep in their step and started controlling the pace and controlling the puck more. They wound up taking a two to nothing lead. Ian Mitchell with a beautiful keep at the blue line to keep the play alive and then set up Patrick Kane for his seventh goal of the season and third in the last five games for number eighty-eight. A great play there by Mitchell. And I'll trust me, Blackhawks fans. I'll, I'll dedicate a whole segment or a bigger portion of a segment. Coming up in just a little bit about Ian Mitchell getting back into the lineup. So that put the Blackhawks ahead one to nothing. And then a little bit later on, Andreas Athmasiu did a really good job of making a head fake and then using his speed to get to the outside and set up Sam Lafferty in front for his fourth goal of the season and third in two meetings against the San Jose Sharks. If you all remember correctly, uh, the opener actually, this was something I tweeted out last night, in the Blackhawks uh, first win of the season, the third game of the year against San Jose. It was the exact opposite of the game that we saw last night, because in the opening 20 minutes back in October, the Sharks jumped ahead two to nothing. and Then the Blackhawks were the ones who went on to score five unanswered goals en route to victory, uh, a five to two victory, I should say. And Sam Lafferty had two goals in that game. He and uh, Jason Dickinson, that's when we first acquired Dickinson, and he was going bananas to start off his Blackhawks tenure. Uh, both he and Lafferty had three-point nights, and Lafferty seems like uh, all his best work comes against the San Jose Sharks. Three goals in two games against San Jose, one goal in you know, the 30 other games that he's played so far this season. So, um, yeah, interesting that these two games were kind of flip-flopped in terms of uh, how they went, kind of the same thing, but for each team in the two meetings. But that had the Blackhawks ahead 2 to nothing in the second period, and, you know, despite getting off to that slow start, it kind of felt like um, they were on their way to cruise into a victory. But sure enough, you know, we can't have nice things as Blackhawks fans. The Sharks went on an incredible run late in the second period to kind of snatch up all the momentum back in their favor. And the first two goals really came on a pair of funky bounces. One looked like it, the opener for San Jose looked like it bounced off Gadjevic and just passed Mrazek. Uh, And then the second was Mark Edward Vlasic, the puck bouncing in off his skate. The officials ruled that no goal on the ice. But after review, uh, apparently, th- this was a really tough call. I- I'm not going to lie. I didn't really know which way it was going to go. The one gripe I have about it is that it was called no goal on the ice, meaning there would have to be conclusive evidence during the review process to overturn this call. And they deemed there was, and it was really close. Well, I don't think Vlasic was directly making a kicking motion, there's no doubt that he was lifting his skate and trying to kick the puck down to to tap it into the open net. But he missed his stick completely. He kicks it. It ends up going into the back of the net, I don't know, at a crucial point in the game, I just thought it was kind of weird that they thought they had enough to overturn it. But again, to be fair, it was a very difficult decision one way or the other. But a couple of funky bounces for San Jose, suddenly they score two goals in 41 seconds to tie the game up two to two. And then uh, just a minute and a half later, Barabanov kind of beats Ian Mitchell to the outside with his backhand. Um, That is, you know, if there is a way you're going to get beat, Ian Mitchell, not not a great look for him, but I will say it's getting beat to the backhand, going to the goal goaltender's glove side, and Mrazic just whiffed on whiffed on the save. Not a good goal to give up whatsoever. That actually wound up being the game winner. Three goals in just over three minutes for San Jose, and it was like the Blackhawks were shell shocked the rest of the way in the third period. Uh, they only mustered up a whopping six shots on goal. They finished with. Uh, 22 on the night, I believe. Yes, 22, right around where they've been finishing, basically all season. Uh, Timo Meyer and Evgeny Svechnikov go on to add some insurance goals for the Sharks. The Blackhawks wind up losing their fourth consecutive game, despite leading two to nothing with only five minutes to go in the second period. They wind up falling five to two to the San Jose Sharks. All right, there is my quick recap of the Blackhawks losing to yet another bottom feeder. Coming up in just a moment, I will talk about Ian Mitchell getting back into the lineup, plus the latest trade rumors surrounding the Blackhawks. But first, I got to talk to you all about Athletic Greens and their new AG1 product, which is something that I try and use every single morning. Because with just one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day. And this special blend of ingredients does everything. It supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and even aging. And Athletic Greens was first created when the founder experienced a ton of gut issues themselves and ended up on a very complicated routine in order to recover. And that used to cost them over a hundred dollars per day. But now Athletic Greens has created both the optimal and affordable nutrition routine that'll cost you less than $3 per day, which is such a cheap way to invest in both your health and your body. Now, I'm not kidding, folks. I make sure I get my one scoop of AG1 every single morning. I just had it before I recorded the show, before I ever go out on the golf course. Make sure to get that one scoop in because it gives me that extra boost that I need to get my day started. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, along with five free travel packs on your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network right now. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, just wanted to say first, thanks again to everyone for making the show your first listen each and every day. And now for your second listen, make sure to go and check out Locked NHL Prospects, which is your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the 2023 NHL Draft, which is really relevant for us Chicago Blackhawks fans right now. Plus, you can also get NHL Draft rankings and top prospect comparisons for every single team. Lockdown NHL Prospects, available on YouTube, this app, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, getting into segment two, let's go ahead and dive right into it, folks, right into the Ian Mitchell debate, shall we? Because uh, finally, after Mitchell voiced his frustrations to the Blackhawks' media recently, and he was questionably scratched for each of the last three games, Mitchell was back in the lineup for the Blackhawks last night against San Jose, which I think made every Hawks fan out there uh, very happy. And early on in the second period, we saw why Ian Mitchell needs to be in the Blackhawks lineup night in and night out. He made a beautiful keep at the blue line to keep the play alive. That led to Patrick Kane's seventh goal of the season to put the Blackhawks ahead one to nothing. You saw Kaner point right to Mitchie after the goal. Uh, during their celebration, indicating, you know, he recognizes the great play that Ian Mitchell made and moments like those, you know, and it's not just like that's the first one that we've seen in quite some time. No, when Mitchell gets into the lineup, he's regularly making plays like this, making passes to set up his teammates, reading the play well at the blue line. And when he's gotten an opportunity to quarterback the second power play unit, I've liked what I've seen from him there as well. But for whatever reason, you know the Blackhawks have had their mindset on playing Jack Johnson each and every night and playing Caleb Jones over Ian Mitchell, but I, I just think it's clear that this kid can help the team out offensively, and they are so challenged in that area that it just doesn't make sense to sit him. And listen, there are people who are saying Ian Mitchell's still a liability defensively. He gave up, you know, was on the ice for two Sharks goals uh, last night and was directly involved in both of them. I got a couple things to say to that. One. On the Barabanov goal, there's you know, no doubt that Peter Mrazek should have made that stop. I get Mitchell got beat, but he let Barabanov beat him to the backhand. It's not like he beat him wide, strong side. He beat him to the backhand. Mrazek definitely should have made that save. And then even on the second one, Svechnikov's goal to make it 5-2. to two, I will say Mitchell was kind of just being a hoverer there and wasn't doing a whole lot of anything. But he can also make the argument that Mrazek shouldn't have given the rebound directly out to Evgeny Svechnikov. But either way, the the second point I'm bringing up is, yes, we know that Ian Mitchell, that's never been the strength of his game. Defense, he still has to work on it. But the only way to truly do that at the NHL level, it's not by getting practice reps. It's by getting game reps, night in and night out. And he can't gain that. He can't learn those tools when he's sitting up in the press box or playing once every three or four games. No, this kid needs to be in the lineup consistently at the NHL level in order to learn. And the more frustrating part about this, too, is that's supposed to be the point of this season. Listen, the Blackhawks are 824 and 4. The season's gone. We knew it was going to be gone. It's played out probably even worse than anyone could have imagined. At this point, the only thing we should be playing for is trying to give some of these young guys opportunities to see what they have. And this is a make or break season for Ian Mitchell. And while it feels like the Blackhawks already have their minds made up on him, why not give him some games here when We need guys to be in the lineup. We need help offensively. He can provide those things and still try to learn and get better defensively and in the process. But instead, we're playing Jack Johnson, who's just as big of a liability defensively without adding anything on the offensive side of things. Even Caleb Jones. like Caleb and Ian Mitchell are kind of in similar situations, despite, I think, Caleb Jones probably being It's more evident at this point that it's going to be trouble for him to be an NHL defenseman. Um, But neither should be sitting behind Jack Johnson, in my opinion. And when Jared Snorty gets back, I don't think we should see Isaac Phillips go down. I think we have to move a defenseman. Isaac Phillips has been really good. Ian Mitchell, when he plays, has been pretty good. Again, I get he has things to learn defensively, but the only way he can do that is by playing consistently. So Uh, it's literally the point of this season. One of the only frustrations I've had with Luke Richardson so far this year is why Ian Mitchell is spending time up in the press box. And if that's going to be the path for him, then trade him or send him down to Rockford. The worst spot for him to be in is up there in that press box doing nothing. So after picking up an assist in his return in last night's loss to San Jose, Ian Mitchell better be in the lineup once again tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I also wanted to mention Uh, for a second here folks some of the latest trade rumors that I've heard going around about the Chicago Blackhawks right now and as we've now entered 2023 we're inching closer and closer to that trade deadline in March and you know obviously the big ones are Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane still nothing too concrete on that front as their agent Pat Brisson is expected to talk with the Blackhawks front office here in the next couple of weeks um, but don't we don't have any true developments on that front other than the expectation is for neither Kane nor Taves to be back with the Blackhawks for the start of next season. Uh, but one guy who we've been hearing some rumors about in the past couple of days is Jake McCabe. As according to TSN's Elliott Friedman in a couple of different segments on 32 Thoughts and also on Sportsnet, he's mentioned that uh, the Edmonton Oilers are a possible target for Jake McCabe. And perhaps the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Uh, and I- I've been saying that Jake McCabe is quietly someone who could get dealt from the Blackhawks. There's a lot that goes into that. It- it's just obviously been frustrating for McCabe. He signed on with this team, not with the intention of going through a rebuild. Um, of course, that's when the Blackhawks, you know, made the trade for Seth Jones. They made the trade for Marc Andre Fleury trying to recoup and Um, retool on the fly and then did not go as planned last season. And Jake McCabe left Buffalo after some brutal years there. I mean, Buffalo hasn't sniffed the playoffs in quite some time. McCabe has never even come close to playing some meaningful hockey in the spring. So I, I do think it is tempting for the Blackhawks to try and move him as he's having a pretty solid bounce back season. He's been one of the best Blackhawks this year. Uh, The contract isn't too heavy after this year. He'll have two years left at $4 million. And he's a solid top four guy. I don't know if he's necessarily a top pairing guy, but he is an asset uh, to a team who's trying to add some defensive prowess at the blue line. So I, I think Jake McCabe could be someone that's intriguing for a lot of teams come deadline time. And, you know, while the Blackhawks shouldn't just make a trade for the sake of making a trade, I do think if they get offered a second, it it makes a lot of sense to take on that draft pick, move on from Jake McCabe, who realistically doesn't fit their timeline of the rebuild. Um, He's a little bit older already, so I think it'll just make sense. If someone's offering a second-round pick, don't sell low if you're the Blackhawks. I think it's a second or nothing for Jake McCabe. It's not like they absolutely have to move him. And another thing to consider is with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves expected to come off the books, Jake McCabe and his contract, you know, the Blackhawks have to start thinking about the salary cap floor. Isn't that kind of crazy to think about? Uh, They had no financial wiggle wiggle room seemingly forever. And all of a sudden, now they got to worry about getting to the floor. Uh, With Jake McCabe being one of the few guys who has some money tied up long term, maybe there's some incentive for the Blackhawks to keep him around. Uh, again, I I think they should only trade him for a second round pick. But interesting to hear that Jake McCabe is starting to get some chatter across the NHL from a couple of different teams. And then there's also been some interesting rumors lately uh, that Max Domi could actually remain with the Chicago Blackhawks past the trade deadline. The expectation for Domi, and he was told this by the Blackhawks front office, is that he was going to get flipped at the deadline. But maybe uh, the Blackhawks have gotten a hint that Neither Patrick Kane nor Jonathan Taves are officially going to come back. And that salary cap floor that I just mentioned, the Blackhawks are going to have to hit it. They don't have much long-term signed after this season. So Max Domi could be due for a nice little raise from the Blackhawks to stick around. It's one thing to think about it. That's really interesting. I didn't think that would be an expectation or, or even in the cards whatsoever. Um, Maybe Domi wants to stay here if he's offered a pretty penny by the Blackhawks. And, you know, he's going to get one heck of an opportunity if Kane and Taves leave. He's going to be the top-line center. So, interesting development there on the Max Domi front. I think everyone just expected him to get traded at the deadline, but that could wind up not being the case. Uh, We'll just have to wait and see what happens here in the next few months on that front. But I also wanted to talk real quick before I get into our Mailbag Monday fan segment about the 2023 World Junior Championship. As Team Canada has a matchup later today with Slovakia in the first round of the knockout stages. And on New Year's Eve, Canada beat Sweden 5-1 to one behind yet another four-point game from Connor Bedard, who is, uh, if anything, only boosting his draft, draft stock somehow up and up and up with his performance in this tournament. Uh, but it was a really good showing for the Hawks' prospects. Kevin Korchinski scored his first goal of the tournament. Uh, Nolan Allen and Ethan Del Mastro both added assists. Looked like Canada it was just going to be, you know, wipe their hands clean, and easy victory. Uh, and that's what it wound up being. But unfortunately for us Blackhawks fans, again, we can't have nice things. Colton Dock suffered what appeared to be very gruesome and painful looking shoulder injury as he was down on the ice, kind of yelling and, and screaming in pain and was forced immediately to head back to Team Canada's dressing room. Well, we now know that Colton Doc's tournament is officially over. These World Juniors just continue to do a number on the Dock brothers. Of course, Col- Kirby broke his wrist when he was the captain for Team Canada a few years back. Kind of w- never looked... The same in a Blackhawk sweater. Obviously, he's off to a good start to his tenure with the Canadians. But now younger brother Colton suffers a really nasty-looking shoulder injury. And you got a feel for Colton. He's been through a lot already this season. Suffered a concussion at Blackhawks development camp. Then suffered another concussion with Kelowna. He's battled back from both of those so far. And now he suffers another gruesome injury. Uh, we don't really have too much of an update. We do know it's a shoulder injury and that he's going to be out for at least a couple of weeks, but um, nothing more uh, about it as of yet. So we're thinking about you, Colton. Man, just a really tough break there for Colton. Dockhawks Hawks 2021 second round pick. Uh, hopefully it's not as serious as it seemed at the time. Again, we don't have much developments at this point, but definitely hoping and wishing for the best for Colton. Before I wrap up the show for today, folks, can't forget about our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, the first one here of 2023, where I answer some questions from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. And by the way, if you're still listening at this point in the show, I only got three questions this week. I'm really trying to get more and more and more. So either hit me up on Twitter, you can DM me on Instagram, you can email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, all one word. Hit me up with your questions. I haven't been getting a ton as of late, and I want to hear what you have to say or what you have to ask me, and I want to give you my two cents back. So if you're listening to this, make sure to ask me a question leading into next week's Mailbag Monday fan segment. Uh, But the first question I wanted to answer today comes from JD, who's the host of Locked On Sharks. Greatly appreciate the question, JD. Uh, He asked, how are you surviving your tank season from a fellow tank commander? Not easily, as you can tell, these last two losses from the Blackhawks uh, have really frustrated me, and I really haven't been frustrated by many losses so far this year. I understand this is the situation they're in, and they're absolutely killing it right now in terms of uh, trying their best to give themselves the best chance to land Connor Bedard. Um, I knew that was going to be the goal. I knew losing was going to be a reality this season. It has been getting tougher and tougher, though, to hang my hat on like some of the bright spots because the Blackhawks' offense has just been so disappointing. Nine times in their last 13 games, they scored zero or one. Uh, I think they've only scored three or more twice in the last month. So yeah, offensively, it's been really tough. It's been um, more and more difficult the past couple of weeks to kind of try and uh, keep the blinders on and just, focus on the long-term plans. I don't know how I'm really surviving. Connor, watching Connor Bedard go absolutely bananas at the World Juniors has been helpful. Um, also, Adam Fantilli is another guy who's looked good. Leo Carlson is someone for Sweden who's just a big boy that I honestly don't know too much about. I've been doing some more research lately. So just thinking about what could be for the future, keeping up with those players and also some of the Blackhawks' other prospects. I've been kind of focusing on, on doing some reels on instagram and some shorts on youtube about some of these blackhawks prospects and they've been generating a lot of traction so maybe i'm just going to keep doing that and and really just focusing on some of the next wave of blackhawks talent that's coming up to the nhl level and uh hopefully the next couple of seasons so yeah that's how i've been trying to stay positive blackhawks haven't really been doing it for me uh they're back for a nice i think six game wow what is this three seven game homestand? So I'll be going to the United center a couple of times during this homestand. I also recommend that a lot of you fellow Blackhawks fans do as well, because you don't know how many more times Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are going to be playing at the UC in the Blackhawks sweater. So make sure to go down and see them at least one more time. Uh, That's probably how I'll be keeping uh, my mind positive is just saying, you know, I've got to be grateful for what I've seen out of Kane and Taves And just go and appreciate them a couple more times by watching them in person. So, J.D., I appreciate the question. It's definitely been getting more difficult over the past couple of weeks. And I wish you luck on uh, surviving your tank season as well. The second question I'm going to answer today comes from Tyson DeBora, I believe, on Instagram. Sorry if I butchered that last name, Tyson. Uh, But he asked, if the Blackhawks get the second or third pick and Bedard isn't an option, who do you like best? Yeah. Um, I just talked about Adam Fantilli, I think is kind of the clear cut number two overall pick right now. He's got the size, he's got the stick handling. He's a great goal scorer as well. I don't know what's not to like about Adam Fantilli. Uh, if Connor Bedard isn't an option, he's my one B for sure, at least as of this point. But I will say I, I am intrigued by the power forward type mold that Leo Carlson already has and seeing him get some action here in the world juniors for Sweden. I think that's been awesome, and I recommend a lot of you Blackhawks fans pay attention as well because, you know, while we hope that things go well for us in the draft lottery, you never know. And even if they wind up with the third or fourth pick, still an opportunity to land a really good player. I think Leo Carlson would be three for me. Um, Mikov is tough. I've heard rumors that, you know, he, like a lot of Russian prospects, plans on staying over in the KHL for a couple of years could delay his arrival to North America, that would certainly lean me towards Leo Carlson as well. So yeah, Fantilli and Carlson are the two that I'd really be looking at. If the Blackhawks uh, unfortunately don't land the number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Monday, January 2nd episode of lockdown Blackhawks. Make sure if you're not already to go and follow the show, wherever you get your podcasts and go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Thanks again for making Lockdown Blackhawks your first listen here today. Now for your second listen, make sure to go and check out Lockdown Sports Today. From the biggest stories in sports to the games that matter the most, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with experts only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today available on this app. YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman Two, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, it's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.